0: The Mafia games. These have always held a special place in my heart for one primary reason. They feature some of the most memorable and impactful stories found in any game that's been put out in the last 20 years as far as I'm concerned. In addition, world building is always remarkable, the soundtracks paint a picture of times long since past, and the characters that populate these tales are colorful, believable, and fascinating in their own right. That being said, these games are far from perfect and carry their own suites of eccentricities with them. While they excel narratively, they've never really hit a stride with regards to their gameplay. Unfortunately, many casual gamers just hand wave away the entire Mafia franchise as nothing more than a lame attempt to copy and paste Grand Theft Auto. And I'm not going to go into too much detail, but that utterance just causes me so much mental anguish. I'm like developing a migraine as I contemplate it right now. Dear God, I'll drink some energy drink. That'll probably fix it, right? That'll help. We all need some integrity. (laughs) But the sentiment with this is certainly fair, even if the statement I think is intentionally reductive. The Mafia games do not have the most impressive open worlds, the most dynamic gameplay, or even the best driving of all of its contemporaries within its genre, but even so, these games are really good, and certainly worth investigating, especially if you've watched my channel for any length of time. Chances are, if you're a subscriber, first of all, Thank you. But also, you probably like story-driven titles. You know, the types of games that stick with you for months or even years after the credits have rolled. Not because that one shooting arena was so good, but rather because the characters have haunted you. Their thoughts, desires, and pains live rent-free in the back of your mind such that they paint every other video game escapade into which you may venture. And if you are one of those players, I cannot recommend Mafia, this whole series, enough. Especially because we are now at a time in which they are regularly on sale, or in the case of the original title Mafia from 2002, they are sometimes listed for free on Steam in an attempt to drum up interest and hype for the series. Now, as I've been saying a lot in recent months, especially in light of the remaster of The Last of Us, which I know it's a remake, but it's a remaster, let's be honest. All of these recommendations for games that are older are tied to value propositions. Even if the game in question is mediocre, there is, in theory, a price at which it becomes fair. For example, I think Mass Effect Andromeda has its own fair share of issues, it launched broken and buggy, and it was far from the series reboot that it was pitched as. Even so, the game in its current state after many bug patches and fixes is still worth playing and picking up, I think, if listed at the appropriate price point. Frankly, if you saw it listed on Steam for a single dollar, I would say that's probably fair. Even if you only play it for a few hours and gain nothing other than some cheap laughs at how terrible it is, that's still a dollar well spent because it gave you that entertainment. Even though it's probably far from the enjoyment that the developers had in mind when they spent years crafting this thing. Now with the Mafia games, I don't think we're dealing with anything nearly as dramatically awful as Mass Effect Andromeda. Let me be very, very clear. But I do think the same formula can be applied here. Even though these aren't 10 out of 10 games, they are still worth playing. It's just with some caveats. It's frustrating to me that this is something that has to be clarified, but it's possible for a game to be good, that is to say, not amazing or a masterpiece, and still worth playing. It seems like we're in a strange place as a gaming community nowadays, where all of the public discourse surrounds major AAA titles. And then when a AA title or an indie title comes out, we start to tear it apart for not living up to the standards we expect from major AAA titles. And I think a lot of this confusion, to be fair, goes back to the distinction between double A and triple A and indie games. And now there's like a new category of quadruple A, something like Red Dead Redemption 2, which had hundreds of millions of dollars poured into it it's different from like your standard AAA game like the witcher 3 which costs like 80 million dollars to make the point is just i i think that people look at something like mafia and they get upset and criticize it for not being grand theft auto 5 or grand theft auto 6. and i don't think that's fair sure you can say that they charge the same amount and the games cost the same at the end of the day but i don't think that's as much of a ding on mafia as it is a crazy compliment to the sheer amount of content that you can get in something like Red Dead Redemption 2 or Grand Theft Auto. Those games are so massive and so good for still being 60, 70 bucks that I think it's a testament to how great those games are not necessarily how overpriced a game like Mafia is. The point of all of this is just to say that it's important that we remember there are games that land between these amazing masterpieces and the games that are so bad that you should never touch them. The Mafia games, with one exception, all fit into this middle ground, no man's land. They all probably deserve a 7 or 8 out of 10, having mostly been pulled down by their lackluster gameplay, but they contain stories that are so good, they pull them up in into the must-play category as far as I'm concerned. Over the course of this video, I aim to argue this point to you, that these games are worth playing. We're going to go through the Mafia games one by one and break down what they do well and what they do poorly, because there's a lot of commonality between these three games. Or I guess four if you count Definitive Edition of Mafia 1 to be its own standalone game, which Might sound like something like, no, of course you don't count that as its own game. It's a remake, but like for the love of God, it is so good. They rebuilt this thing from the ground up. It's amazing. We'll get to it. And lastly, of course, I want to discuss what Hangar 13 can do with Mafia 4, a game which they recently announced is in development to take it out of this middle ground and launch it into the mainstream once and for all. I'm sure it goes without saying, but we're going to spoil pretty much everything in these games. We're going to show cutscenes from all throughout all three of the games, and we're not going to hide anything. So consider yourself warned. I also want to say that this will be posted to iTunes podcasts and also to Spotify and SoundCloud if you want to download the MP3 directly to listen on the go. I know these videos are long and some people like to listen to them while they're working out or on a car ride or something. So all of my critiques, big and short, are available on that platform. Just look up my name or head to the link tree in the description box. All of the links are down there. And if you miss a live stream or you just don't enjoy live content, I do have a second channel, Luke Stevens Live, in the link tree below where I post all of the stream highlights, where we talk about breaking news, react to game trailers, and unbox collector's editions and things that we collect it's a great time head over there if uh, you haven't seen that before drop a subscription ring the the bell and get notified because i post stuff there all the time basically any video that doesn't fit on the main channel i put up there so there's a ton more content if you're looking for it but with all that said Let's get into it after a quick thank you to our sponsor, Salad. Salad is the groundbreaking tech company that allows your computer to earn you money while you're away from the keyboard. From now on, your PC can return to you some of that exorbitant cost you spent on it through the form of Steam, Amazon, or Nintendo gift cards, Steam games themselves, and much, much more. The way it works is pretty simple. You just download the app, and then once you have it here, you go into settings. You can tweak whatever you want, but make sure to enable auto start, and then you just set it to start after however long you want. Whenever you've been AFK, it will detect it start chopping on the various ingredients and your PC will earn you money without you having to do anything. And as you would expect, the longer and more frequently you chop away in the kitchen that Salad offers, the more you'll make. And in addition to traditional computing tasks that focus on your GPU hardware and your CPU, Salad is now offering something they call bandwidth sharing. This enables you to share your extra bandwidth that you're already paying for with people All throughout the world if you're paying for 250 megabit per second internet but you're only using 50 in the evening when you're watching a 4k movie on your TV in the living room you can get paid for the extra 200 that you already paid for that you're not using using bandwidth sharing and all you have to do to enable it is click on the little salad icon go over to performance and then enable Bandwidth sharing, it's that easy. Check out Salad today at the link in the video description box below or in the pinned comment. And make sure to use code LUKE so that they know that I sent you. Okay, let's discuss Mafia 1. I pondered how much focus I should put into the original version of the game versus the remake from 2020. And the more I thought about it, the less confident I felt I could be with only covering one of the two versions of the game. So I'll be showing footage from both the 2002 original release and the 2020 remake. Narratively, they're extremely close together, but there are some major improvements to gameplay, such as reworked driving mechanics, cover-based shooting, better AI, and more that we find in the remake, in addition to the graphical overhaul, the improved animations, and voice recordings. Seriously, if you're going to play Mafia 1, you should just play the Definitive Edition. I mean, there's a reason they call it the Definitive Edition. And I cannot stress enough just how amazing this remake is like whenever somebody brings up remake and how much they charge for it and whether or not it's worth the price to to value proposition look at mafia definitive edition this game didn't charge full price when it released i believe it released for like 40 bucks and it is a from the ground up remake all gameplay all cutscenes all voiceovers everything redone for modern audiences and it's amazing like if this weren't a remake and was just a standalone game it would have been nominated for game of the year no doubt seriously it's that good it sets the standard as far as i'm concerned for remakes it's right up there with demon souls from blue point games it is amazing. Now the original Mafia launched in August of 2002 and it was actually really well received at the time. It was lauded for its darker and more realistic tone and when compared to contemporary titles of the time in the same genre, it stood out as a much more grounded and interesting narrative game that gave players a serious story with believable and realistic characters to explore the world with. Now Mafia takes place in the 1930s in Lost Heaven, which is a fictional city in Illinois in the United States. Heavily influenced by Chicago, Chicago, New York, and Los Angeles, among other historical American cities, though the major influences are certainly New York and Chicago. The map is sprawling, with a large city to explore in addition to a racetrack, large areas of countryside, and multiple boroughs, such as the west side, the central island, and the east side, which houses a lot of residential suburbs, slums, and a lively downtown district. For an old game, it is actually pretty remarkable how solid this world's design is in terms of layout and the overall approach they took to it. I mean, it really is a believable city. It doesn't ever really feel alive in the same way that something like Grand Theft Auto 4 feels, not by any major mistake on their part, but it's simply a lack of interactability. We'll touch on this more in a few moments, but the game in terms of its world design is much more akin to L.A. Noir than it is to Grand Theft Auto. Again, it's a matter of expectation. This world has been built for the story to take place within, and it carries you around the world as you complete the various main story quests and missions. It's not really a sandbox for you to get lost within. It is simply a housing in which the main story takes place. And as long as you don't expect too much, it won't disappoint you. But if you expect this to be Grand Theft Auto but with a mafia coat of paint, you're gonna be disappointed. The story is pretty epic. Basically, in 1930, two people named Polly and Sam, who are members of the Salieri crime family, force a destitute taxi driver named Tommy Angelo into assisting them escape an ambush by a rival crime family. After helping them get away, Tommy gets paid for his assistance and is offered a place within Don Salieri's criminal organization, which he is very hesitant to do because he doesn't want to get mixed up in a crime family. But the following day, two more Morello gangsters track him down and destroy his taxi as an act of revenge for helping the Salieri family. This results in Tommy deciding he will accept the Salieri offer in order to get revenge and because he is sick and tired of working as a freaking taxi driver. Over the course of the next few hours of gameplay, you complete various missions for the Salieri family, running rackets, collecting debts from those who are paying the mob for protection from, well, the mob. (laughs) And you meet some other characters, such as Sarah, who's the daughter of Salieri's bartender, who you fall in love with shortly after. You know, in a lot of ways, the story of Mafia takes the form of Breaking Bad, where it takes a sweet, sort of naive character, and then over the course of the story, corrupts them and turns them into, in some ways, a bit of a monster. I think Tommy has a redemption arc at the end of the story that we'll get to in just a second. He's not full-on Walter White, but I would also say Walter White has his own sort of redemption arc where he does things that he doesn't want to do. No spoilers. The point is, it reminds me a lot of Breaking Bad. They take a sweet guy and see what it takes to turn him into a person that would be totally unrecognizable to the original Tommy when the story began in 1930. Later in the game, Morello, the man that runs the rival crime family, is working with a corrupt councilman for the city to try and overthrow Salieri and all of his influence on the local crime scene. And following an assault on a local bootlegging operation, Don Salieri realizes that Frank, one of his closest confidants, has been providing the authorities with information about his money laundering activities and reluctantly orders tommy to kill him showing some mercy tommy permits frank to leave the nation with his family after learning that he was only compelled to betray this information to this rival crime family in order to protect his family, who was threatened by Morello. After a couple of more years go by, Morello discovers that Salieri is going to seize control of the local police departments and overthrow him once and for all. So, he puts a hit out on Don Salieri. And this triggers one of the most memorable, and I think smooth, cutscenes of any game that I can think of in recent memory. In the original game, it looked really good, and was super fluid as well. But in the definitive edition, it's just badass. Basically, Tommy and Don Salieri are at dinner in a restaurant and then something happens. I'll just let this play out. It's awesome. It's straight out of The Godfather. I love it. Uh, Enjoy. huh? I'm glad you're off the roof, Tom. Sarah threatened to leave me if I didn't dry out. I know. She told you. No. I put her up to it. Drunkards get sloppy, Tom. I didn't want you to make a mistake we couldn't live with. <laughs> for you? And for you. Ah, Peppy, the meal is a masterpiece as always. <laughs> Molto grazie, don Celieri. Praise from such a gourmet as you. It filled me with joy. Ah, you wouldn't call me a gourmet if you knew what I had for supper. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? Bastard could have at least let me finish my wine. Hey, Salieri, come out of there and we'll make this quick. Smoke him out, Joe. Shit, watch out! After escaping, Salieri wages an all-out assault on Morello. This begins what's known as the cleanup, when Tommy goes and starts assassinating anybody who stands in their way. He assassinates the local corrupt city councilman, Morello's brother Sergio, and then he goes after Morello himself. Again, memorable cutscenes, beautiful cinematography. You chase Morello as he hops in a plane, and then you drive following the plane as it's starting to smoke until it eventually crashes and then you find morello crawling out of the plane and you put him out of his misery it's it's badass again straight out of the godfather it's just freaking cool and it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy because morello is a horrible person (laughs) and then in one of the most beautiful and haunting moments of the entire game we get to see this quiet cutscene when don salieri finds out that morello has been killed Uh, This happens. See you on the other side, Marco. It's such a subtle moment, but it really demonstrates how these mob families work and the weird, bizarre respect the families have for each other. Like, right here, Morello tried to kill Salieri, and then Salieri succeeded in getting Morello killed. But instead of celebrating and going crazy, it's a quiet, solemn moment where he takes a drink and gives a toast to somebody he, up until relatively recently, considered to be a brother who turned on him and that he turned on himself. It's just fascinating. And it shows that this is, at the end of the day, just business, even though it ends in death and misery for so many people. This is the game that they're playing. Everybody agrees on the rules. They understand that your life's at stake when you do this, but they don't like hate each other. They still sort of have admiration and respect for each other it's just fascinating to me it's a really good touch and again it's so subtle but beautiful at the same time it's haunting after a few more years go by the salieri family has complete control over the rackets operating in lost heaven and they are mercilessly killing every single person who even gets close to standing in their way in one of the later missions of the game you are tasked with receiving a shipment of prohibited and banned cigars but upon collecting them Tommy, Polly, and Sam realize that there's a bunch of contraband hidden among them. Hey, Polly! You okay? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of these crates are shot to shit, though. How bad is it? It's the worst of it. Oh, don't look too good. Don's gonna be pissed if we ruined any of the cigars. What the hell? Christ. It's dope. You sure? Yeah. I'm sure. Where are the diamonds? There ain't any. This is the real score. No. No, 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 no. Don said we would get diamonds. You can open every box. You're not gonna find them. We put our fucking necks out on the line for this shit. Looks like... Salieri, who claims to be like their father figure who's taking care of them and has their best interests at heart, put them in harm's way intentionally and without care for monetary profit and gain. It's just slimy. And this starts a rift between those underlings... And Don Salieri and this also plays into the theme of greed where Salieri is benefiting a lot more from this arrangement than the underlings are And eventually they start to get greedy I mean when Tommy starts out just a small envelope of cash that he could use to repair his Taxi cab was enough for him to feel motivated I- Enough to actually start changing his life and getting things in order That was life-changing money, but now he's very wealthy, he's doing really, really well, he's married, he started a family with Sarah, they're doing great, but he's getting greedy, and he feels like Don Salieri is cutting him out of what he deserves, and so does Polly and Sam, and so this starts a whole heap of trouble. You go on a mission where you rob a bank without alerting Salieri, but after completing the heist, Tommy goes and discovers Polly dead in his apartment with the money bag missing. And when he meets up with Sam to discuss the matter, he realizes that Salieri found out about their heist and ordered Sam to kill Tommy and Polly for going behind his back. And also that Michelle and Frank, the guys that you allowed to leave earlier in the game, were also murdered by Salieri's men after Tommy's previous lies to let them escape were revealed after a big boss fight and shootout you eventually kill sam escaping barely but realizing that his life is in danger he approaches detective norman who you see all throughout the game in these story beats in between major acts of the game you see it's really interesting the story is basically told from the perspective of tommy giving a confession to this detective after he's basically gone on the run because Salieri's trying to kill him. It allows for them to do this cool narration thing where Tommy's able to tell the story over top of cutscenes and gameplay because he's retelling the story. It just works really, really well. After the confession is complete, Tommy offers to testify against the whole Salieri family and criminal organization in exchange for a reduced prison sentence and protection for him and his family. And the resulting investigation results in the conviction of pretty much everybody you knew for the entirety of the game including don salieri who gets sent to prison and is locked up pretty much forever and all this takes place in a montage and cutscene at the end of the game so it's not like you have to spend a lot of time in prison though that's not something that the game designers will fret from doing uh in the sequels of this game if that sounds vague i know it does basically there's a sequence in mafia 2 where you spend an extended period of time in prison but we'll get to that i know it sounds weird like playing a video game where you get sent to prison and you have to spend like a good chunk of gameplay time in prison well yeah it's something they do it's pretty cool but we'll get to it after serving eight years in prison tommy gets reunited with his family they go into witness protection out of an abundance of caution to avoid the salieri retaliation and they're transported to empire bay which will be important in the next game as well everything is great until 1951 when tommy's history is revealed and he is assassinated by two strangers at the very end last cutscene it, it's haunting it's horrible but it ties in with the second game really well which is what we're going to get to in a few minutes i mean again with the breaking bad comparison it's a story of greed and of a desire to be successful and to live the good life but not knowing when to stop and not being satiable and that's the story time and time again throughout the mafia series Is that you have a group of characters who just want to live a good life and provide for their families and they start out with a very simple goal, but after they get a taste of that success, after they get a taste of the money and the power, they can't stop. And the people around them, their loved ones, will tell them, stop, you're good, you don't need to go further, you don't need to keep going, you're good they keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing in the case of mafia one my one critique of the story is that this initial goal for tommy isn't clearly defined it's simply that he wants to run the city and he wants to be the big man in charge he doesn't want to be the little guy that's getting stomped on anymore which is what he was dealing with When he was a taxi driver which is something you actually have to do in the opening sequences of mafia definitive edition where you actually are going around completing taxi jobs delivering people to and from locations while they mouth off to you and call you names and insult you to your face but you got to keep your mouth shut because it's your job He's sick and tired of that, and he just wants something different. And he gets a taste of the power with the Salieri family, and he just keeps going and doesn't know how to stop. One of the things that I really like about Mafia 2, which we'll get to in a minute, is that Vito, the protagonist in that game, has very clear desires and expectations for what he's trying to get out of this exposure to the mob in Criminal Underground. He knows what his goal is, and he has one thing he's trying to do— But once he's achieved it he can't stop and then he has another goal and then he can't stop and he just keeps going and going and going and then with mafia 3 they kind of do the same thing but then they bungle it a little it's complicated we'll get to it now all told mafia 1 is definitely one of those games that's more about story than the gameplay as you've probably seen through the footage that's been shown thus far It has gameplay, of course, driving fancy vehicles, racing in some sequences, and even some third-person shooting, and in the Definitive Edition, it's all reworked to be greatly improved including with some light cover-based shooting, but all of that takes the backseat to the centerpiece of the title, which is certainly the story. And it's good, because Mafia tells one of the most compelling and well-paced stories of any game from this era. The approach is extremely methodical, it's detail oriented, and it's made all the better by the redone cutscenes and voice acting present in the definitive edition. But just to be completely transparent, this is not a game for everybody. If you don't like narrative games that focus on the story first and foremost, you're probably not going to enjoy Mafia. For some people, specifically those who prioritize gameplay above and beyond everything else, they will find this to be a rather lackluster title because in many ways, the game Gameplay is just that. But I do not think it's fair to dismiss the game entirely purely on this account. It's simply a matter of prioritization. And while the narrative may not be your preference for the primary objective of a game, it is the preference of many other gamers, myself included. And I find that some of the most memorable games I've ever played are the ones which had the most compelling stories, characters, and world building, while their gameplay systems or graphics might have been behind the curve compared to the competition. After all, and this is something I've said a lot recently, i found. Stories and narratives are the one thing that stand the test of time better than anything else. You can have the world's greatest graphics one year, you can have the best gameplay systems and shooting mechanics and destructible environments for that year, but eventually it will be outdated. Eventually the graphics won't be up to snuff. Eventually the gameplay will feel outdated, the guns will be sucky, who knows what it may be, eventually it will grow outdated, but the story will live forever. Stories, whether they're told in a book format, or a play, or a film, or a game, or even something as simple as a painting, can stand the test of time no matter what. And that's why I personally prefer the focus on story above and beyond everything else. And so all of that said, I think it's very reasonable for the original Mafia game to have prioritized the story in the way that it did. And the fact that this remake, the Definitive Edition, stays so true to the original makes that all the more impressive. Back when the original game launched, they really had something phenomenal and remarkable on their hands with the story. But as the years went by, a lot of players were turned off by the outdated graphics and the fact that the gameplay was really lackluster And the fact that it was also pretty difficult to find and to play on modern consoles and computers having released at a time when widespread distribution across multiple marketplaces online was just simply not commonplace, but this remake truly allows the original vision to shine and be realized in a way that I'm sure the original creators could have only dreamed of. Now, like I mentioned earlier, the game plays very similarly to L.A. Noire. Most of the game is comprised of you completing story missions that send you to a new location, which you drive to using one of the various vehicles available that you can also collect. You then speak to some characters, key points of the story are exposed, and then there's a highlighted gameplay system that takes center place for the last act of the quest, whether that be driving again, shooting your way out of a sticky situation or even something as simple as walking to a new location to witness another cutscene now by itself this wouldn't be enough to create a compelling video game which is why the story is so important it's not the gameplay that keeps you engaged long term it's the quality story the twists and turns and seeing where these characters that you learn to love and care about end up now speaking of l.a noir similarly The gameplay never reaches the point of being fun for its own sake. In other words, I never thought to myself, Ooh, I want to go out and fight more waves of enemies through this clunky cover-based shooting. I never was playing the game for that, though, so it wasn't that big of a deal, but by the end of the game, I certainly was feeling pretty fatigued, and I was ready to move on. It was a necessary evil to get through to the next cutscene, which was fantastically well-directed and acted on the level of a critically acclaimed film. And I know I've seen some people comment both on my YouTube videos and then also over on stream, where I'm live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Again, just a little plug for you. I've seen these people say that these games are just simply too boring, that the gameplay isn't Engaging enough to keep things interesting, and that the open world is just too bland and boring to justify extended gameplay sessions. And I get that for some people, but again, for others who prioritize story it just doesn't matter that much. If the story is compelling, it's going to keep you engaged. Now, as with anything, if your game relies on one single element to carry it across the finish line, it had better be really freaking good, and it must not overstay its welcome. You can have a tremendously well-written story, but if it carries on too long, many players will grow tired of it by the time that the game reaches completion, simply because there isn't enough variety. And that's why pace is extremely important to keep players hooked for the entire gameplay time. For example, a game like Red Dead Redemption 2 is extremely large, taking most people around 80 hours to get all the way through it. And it has a tremendous story, but it intersperses segments of quiet exploration and open-ended activities to break up the repetition and monotony of blasting through the main story. You can do a really compelling main quest that's emotionally raw and challenging, and then spend 3 hours hunting rabbits and gathering items that you can sell to upgrade your weapons or buy new cosmetics and outfits you name it you can do it you then return to the main quest line progress a little further and then you may take a break to go into Saint Denis to see a theater performance and it paces itself so well that you don't get tired of doing the same damn thing over and over and over again it's varied enough that you don't ever feel that exhaustion Mafia though doesn't have this variety of gameplay it just simply doesn't. There's shooting arenas, driving to a new location, more shooting arenas, and then cutscenes sprinkled throughout, and that's really it. So the way they get around this issue is by ensuring that the story doesn't overstay its welcome. And according to how com and my own personal playthrough, most players will probably complete Mafia Definitive Edition and the original in around 10 to 10 and a half hours. And I would argue that it tells an epic tale similar to Red Dead Redemption 2, but that it focuses on clipping along so quickly that it ends at just about the same time you're starting to grow tired of its limited offerings. It's extremely refreshing, honestly, to play a game like this. It doesn't try to put 100 hours of content into a package when it really should have been over in 15 hours. I'm looking at you, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I just, I think it's so great to see a game that doesn't try to be... Red Dead Redemption 2 that just focuses on doing what it tried to do and doing it well and not trying to fill it with bloat. I, I just, I love this. I, I think it's great. And I think we all need to be more supportive of these games that are shorter, but are leaner and more focused and polished. Because these are the games that really excel. These are the games that most studios are capable of producing. If all we're willing to pay 60 to $70 for are the crazy, like, 100-hour crazy bull crap games like Valhalla, that's all we're going to get. And we're just going to be drowning in games like Valhalla and Horizon Forbidden West and games that are just way longer than they should be. But looking at the entire game of Mafia as a package, it's remarkably robust. It's lean and it sets the stage for Mafia 2 and 3 in a great way. And that's important because all of these games are interconnected in a way that's honestly just remarkable. I don't want to spoil it too much just yet, but all of these games... Interweave with each other. They aren't just standalone games. And if you have the ability to play them in order, you absolutely should because it will blow your mind as the story progresses. And characters you're familiar with from the previous game start to show up in the next game and they all start to tie together. It's so cool. These games all share characters, worlds, and in some cases, even cutscenes. And if that sounds like a weird thing to say, I understand, but when we discuss Mafia 2 it will make sense. The original game was good and the remake is amazing simply because it was able to showcase the original vision that the developers had in a cutting-edge way with fantastic graphics, improved gameplay systems, and some phenomenal performances on the part of the actors. This is how you remake a narrative game. This is how it's done. Are you taking notes, Naughty Dog? No, no, uh, yeah, didn't think so. <laughs> but let's discuss Mafia 2. Now, Mafia 2 is set roughly a decade after the first game. It takes place in two clearly delineated time periods the mid 1940s and the early 1950s i briefly touched on what happens in between those two time segments but we'll get to that in a bit the game primarily takes place within the fictional city of empire bay which you'll remember is where tommy ended up within witness protection at the end of mafia one the city of empire bay is really interesting and it should be because it's based heavily on new york chicago and detroit from the 1940s and 50s and you feel it in the city design it's really well realized and the snowy setting that they use for the majority of the game's runtime is wonderful i mean it's one of the reasons that i play this game every christmas it's like one of my feel-good titles along with like batman arkham origins i just return to it around the holidays it makes me feel cozy maybe it's the radio maybe it's i don't know but it's great i should also mention that there are some dlc packs for mafia 2 that did not exist for mafia 1 they didn't have any dlc for that game but the developers have said that the dlc they released for mafia 2 is not considered canon so I'm not gonna really touch on it, but know that those DLC packs do exist if you're interested. Now, there were some major graphical improvements made over the original game. The 2020 remaster also added some new bells and whistles, and I think that this is the version of the game which most people will be playing on, and it's also the version of the game that you will primarily be seeing as we discuss the game in the coming sections. It's effectively the same as the 2010 release, it's certainly not a remake like the Mafia 1 Definitive Edition that we saw in the previous chapter of this video, but, It does have higher resolution textures, faster load times, patches for hitching and pop-in, and it just makes sense to use footage from this version of the game while we discuss it. It's also important to note that in addition to the graphics and system upgrades, there were also a fair number of animations that were redone to remove that 2010 clunk that is so easily identifiable in games of this era, specifically relegated to the shooting mechanics and the running animations. I will say that when Mafia Definitive Edition launched with Mafia 2 Remastered, there were some technical issues in Mafia 2 Remastered. It just wasn't very well optimized, but all of that's been patched. As far as I can tell while playing through it for this video, it runs pretty well on my hardware. I haven't had any issues or crashes or anything like that. It's not as great as a remake, but it looks better than the original. So make of it what you will. But if you buy the game now, you'll play the Remastered Edition, and I think it is definitely worth playing that version if you play it on game pass as well you can also play that version do what you will but i haven't run into any major technical issues so if you were gonna dismiss this remaster as a result of that just know that i don't think the issues are still present, as far as I can tell. Compared to the original title, Mafia 2 is definitely more in line with what developers wanted to create the first time around. There's a large open world, interesting music plays on the regular through the in-game radio, weather systems apply different traction levels on the roads, meaning that as you drive through the snowy streets, you can hit ice patches and start slipping around until you hit a dry piece of asphalt again, and the graphics are also greatly improved over the 2002 game. Animation quality is improved, and altogether, the game is just much better at doing what it set out to accomplish, and that is to once again tell a compelling story in an interesting recreation of a fictional New York City. And the world is really well realized. The ambiance is top-notch. There's just something about driving through Empire Bay with the 40s music on blast that hits home in early December leading up to the holiday season that just... It hits different. I love it. I don't remember when I first played Mafia 2, but it was probably sometime around Christmas, which is why this feeling has been cemented permanently into my consciousness. But I just love this game around the holiday season. I think it's great. If you're watching this around Christmas, play it that's my advice. (laughs) But while the city feels real at first, that's only when you drive through it without looking too closely. This game certainly suffers from some of the same ills that plagued the first game, and that will go on to plague the third game, though not as badly. These worlds are interesting until you apply even a little bit of pressure to them, at which point they begin to crack under the pressure. In other words, it features a very beautiful facade, but when you look underneath it, you discover things aren't as beautiful as they initially seemed, and maybe... It's more hollow than you initially anticipated. You see, there's just not much to do in these games and when you're exploring the worlds. Like I said, they are housings for the main story there are various shops in mafia 2 at least that you can go into to find new clothes or weapons and you can also collect vehicles and customize them in shops around the city even customizing the license plate so that you can't be tracked after you've stolen it and the main story will take you all across the map meeting various characters and performing countless actions one thing that sticks in my mind is the mission where you have to run around and redeem gasoline ration tickets before they expire at midnight leading you to drive frantically through the city streets swerving in and out of traffic the rhythms of the radio attempting to reach a handful of gas stations before the time limit expires and i will say i think they made this mission easier in the remaster because i remember having a ton of trouble with this mission back in the day but maybe it was just that i was in my early teens and so i wasn't as good at games as i would like to admit but i remember this mission very very clearly and i remember it being a lot more difficult but even with the lackluster world design and lack of interactability within the world this game is still pretty remarkable and i think it's because it carries the same priorities as the first one it's all about story and while the gameplay has seen some improvements such as even including a cover-based system for shooting in combat which the original 2002 version of mafia didn't have the gunplay is still extremely clunky and it didn't feel good even back when the game launched in 2010 and if you don't believe me just look back at some of the reviews of that game when they were written back over a decade ago this was a problem from day one and it's not something that i'm retroactively criticizing ex post facto people in 2010 thought this shooting was bad People in 2022 think that this shooting is bad. But again, you aren't playing these games for the shooting. You're playing them for the cutscenes and the story. And there were some improvements made to the engine in Mafia 2 that benefited the story greatly, such as the implementation of in-engine, real-time cutscenes. And this meant that for the first time, you could see a cutscene play out with the main character, Vito, wearing the same outfit that you assigned to them previously. You see the same car with all of your customations in all of the cutscenes and everything comes together to add that little bit of extra detail in story sequences that makes the game feel much more immersive. I know we take these things for granted nowadays, but in 2010, it wasn't considered an industry standard yet to have real-time cutscenes. But this is also one of the things that makes Mafia 3 all the more baffling, because in the years after Mafia 2 released, instead of making major steps forward with the graphical renderings and and engine work and everything, they decided in 2016 to go back to pre-rendered cinematics, which in some cases are just extremely jarring because you'll have your character designed one way with an outfit given to him and everything and then all of a sudden the game looks way better and then you go back to kind of a clunky and glitchy mess of real-time graphics it's just jarring and I don't know why they did it apparently they're moving off of it though cuz when they developed Mafia Definitive Edition they went back to real-time cutscenes so hopefully it's just a one-off fluke but understand that Mafia 3 will go back to a lot of pre-rendered cutscenes with the occasional real-time cutscene mixed in. It's it's really weird. But the one thing I just have to praise, every time I play Mafia 2, it just blows me away, the music. The music is just it's it's freaking tight, man. It's so so good it's on the level for me of fallout new vegas radio like when you're just walking through the wastes and you've got that radio playing in the background and it just soothes your soul it's the same thing with this game it is just so awesome i can't even describe it driving through empire bay the snowy streets the 40s music playing it just mm, it hits your soul in just the right spot and it's so great i cannot praise it enough i would play some of it for you but it'll get copyright stricken and i don't want to deal with that so here we are (laughs) what's your evidence for that point luke i don't know trust me bro but i want to talk specifics with the story let's get into it but first a costume change smoke effect boom and just like that we're we're back in a different outfit how crazy is that technology it's great now mafia 2 focuses on a new character vito scaletta who's a sicilian immigrant who was arrested after a failed heist in 1943 but he decided to enlist in the american army to avoid going to jail or prison so he ends up in the 504th parachute infantry regiment as a jeep driver which is where the game opens you get to go through a combat tutorial in an operation in sicily that slowly goes wrong as you play through it but it also serves as the game's combat tutorial. It introduces the player to the new cover based shooting, which is certainly greatly improved over the 2002 original game's shooting mechanics, though, currently in 2022, it certainly feels Uh, pretty rough (laughs) however just before Vito and everybody gets killed as the operation falls apart a guy named don calo shows up and tells all of the italian soldiers to stand down don calo i think is how it's pronounced he was an actual mobster in the early 20th century like a real guy born in the 1870s he ran the mob through world war one and throughout the 20s and 30s into the 40s until eventually dying early in the 50s this dude was like a crazy person look him up if you have uh, a little bit of time on your hands and you want to go down a rabbit hole fascinating character totally insane but he's a real guy and that's what they're referring to here it's it's nice little historical tie-in but it's in this moment that Vito sees the power of the mob firsthand this guy just waltzed in said stop shooting and then everybody did <laughs> it's like Kind of amazing. And this sticks with Vito as he returns in 1945 to Empire Bay and meets up with his childhood friend, Joe Barbaro. Now, Vito's on leave, but he talks with Joe, who recently joined the Clemente crime family while Vito was away at war. The first hour or two of gameplay is you helping Joe out as Joe works to get you some fake papers to discharge Vito from the army legitimately, or at least in a way that looks legitimate. Now, it's also in these opening hours that we find out that while Vito was away, his father died, and it turns out he was heavily indebted to a loan shark, and now, The Lone Shark is coming after Vito's sister, Vito's mother, Everything's falling apart because his dad worked with this loan shark. So now there is a short term or long term, depending on how you look at it, goal for the player and for Vito. Get enough money to pay off the loan shark. That's all that matters. This goes back to my comparison with Breaking Bad as a TV show and the story and how they structured it there. The mafia games take a character who maybe isn't the best guy, but is generally not a horrible person. They might be into petty crime, such as Vito, or they might be totally innocent in the case of Tommy Angelo from the first game. But over the course of these stories, the writers take the character from that starting point and turn them into straight-up Scarface by the end of it. It's pretty crazy, the transformation these characters go through. But in the same vein as Breaking Bad, now our protagonist has a goal. They need a certain amount of money, and once they get that amount of money, they should be good. They can get out of this weird, kind of sketchy work, but until then, they just work keep their head down don't get in too deep just trying to make it to that threshold they've established. But as is the case with all of these stories, greed will eventually take its toll and start to infect the people in the story. Now, over the next few hours of gameplay, you run around completing various missions with Joe and working with a guy by the name of Derek Papalardo, which again, I don't know if I pronounced that right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it's said in the game, they pronounce the names and like, I get it, but my tongue doesn't move in the same ways white guy problems I, I i don't know what to tell you <laughs> But this guy previously employed your father and has connections to the mafia, which once again helps you work with Joe, tying all of this together as you get your feet underneath you. Pretty quickly, you start earning some really good money until things go bad and a heist goes belly up. Vito is then arrested once again, but this time there's not a war raging as wildly as it was in 1943. So, Vito is sent to prison and he's given a 10 year sentence. And normally for a video game, I think we would expect to see like a big breakout sequence, right? As you get to the prison, you're broken out, then the game keeps going on. But no, no, the game like keeps you in prison for a while. You spend a good amount of time here. I don't know why, but I just find it kind of ballsy for the writers and game developers to give you an extended sequence where you're just like literally in prison. Like you you are playing an open world adventure narrative game and you're in prison for a chunk of it. It's just ballsy as hell, but it works really, really well. And when you finally get out of prison after a little bit, it makes you appreciate the open world and the space you have and the freedom to drive around and do whatever you want. It makes you appreciate that much, much more, just like I'm sure it would for Vito. It's one of those instances where a gameplay decision, in this case, putting the player in prison, actually makes you feel the same way that the protagonist feels. And it works Surprisingly well. I never thought that I'd be this okay with being sent to prison in a game, but it works. Now, while in prison, Vito finds out through a mutual friend, Leo Galanti, that his mother has passed away, and that all of the money that Vito had earned, in addition to that which was needed to pay off his father's debts, was used for her funeral, and there's nothing left. And after just a few more years, Vito is eventually granted early release in April of 1951. Now, once again, this is where the topic of greed comes into play, because technically, Vito, he's starting fresh. He just got out of prison. Yes, his family doesn't have any money, but there's no massive debt from a loan shark hanging over him. He could start like a legitimate life once again and just move on. But no, 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 no. He wants... Power. He wants success and at the end of the game There's actually a monologue where Vito explains in detail everything he dreamt of Achieving when he started working with the mob all of the the fame fortune power money girls everything and how Baffled he was that none of it was Acquired by the end of the story he kills and scrapes and saves and does all this dirty work for the higher-ups and it doesn't actually get him anything. So deciding that he wanted to be something more than what he was, Vito goes and finds his friend Joe again. Through the second and third acts of the game, you climb the Falcone family's ranks under the leadership of Don Carlo Falcone and his subordinate, Eddie Scarpa. And the game designers do a really good job of making you feel like you're actually progressing as the story goes on. Not only do you start to get to wear nicer clothes, but you also start driving nicer cars, using better weapons, and even you unlock a house that you can live in and explore from that makes you feel more grounded, like you've actually got a stake in this world. You're not in that crappy apartment that you start the game in, you actually are moving up and it feels like you're progressing. It's very, very similar to what they did in Grand Theft Auto 5, the story mode that is, with Franklin, where you start off living in your aunt's house and barely scraping by and you're kind of miserable and it just kind of sucks more generally. The neighborhood's not great. But as you go through the story and you become successful, you slowly gain more and more things and eventually you get this really nice mansion to live in and you start getting nice cars and nice clothes and you become accustomed to this lifestyle it's the same thing with mafia but instead of just ending with all of this money and everything's cool and great you actually end the story destitute with nothing having lost pretty much everything but beyond that i think the most remarkable thing about the story of mafia 2 is not that you do all of this yourself but that you're doing it side by side with your friend joe your childhood friend joe From the beginning of the game to the end, you are working together to get your life upgraded, to do bigger and badder things. You help each other out. You scratch his back, he scratches yours, and you start to develop what feels like a real friendship. And this comes to a head at the very end of the game in the final mission where you're called to a planetarium to assassinate a rival mob boss. After you kill this guy named Carlo, you meet up with your buddy Joe, who is also helping you take this guy on. And on the way out of the planetarium, this little line of dialogue plays. I sure as hell hope you know what you're doing here. Don't worry, I took care of it. You'll see. So, uh, what was he talking about back there? Nothing. He made me an offer, that's all. Yeah, I figured out that much. What kind of offer? He wanted me to whack you. Said he'd make me a capo. Give me my own crew. You know, pretty much everything I ever wanted. Yeah? So why the hell didn't you do it? Remember that five bucks you owe me? Joe was offered everything he ever wanted. Like, everything. Wealth. Power. Security everything he wanted and all he had to do was turn on Vito and he would have been fine. He would have been set but he stayed loyal and he didn't give up his best friend for everything he had ever dreamed of really shows just how good of a friend Joe is and was and yeah i have to say was because right after you go outside of the planetarium after this line of dialogue you both hop into separate cars leo asks you to join him in his car he's the mob boss that you've been working for and that decides not to kill you right before this mission in exchange for your action to take out carlo who's the mob boss you killed in the planetarium and then he says ah no joe you're fine go in the vehicle ahead of us and i'll I'll just let this play because it does a better job of uh showing it than i could do explaining it so here it is What the hell is this? It's all right, Joe. Is it done? It's done. All right, then. Looks like a celebration is in order. Come on, let's head to the cat house. Sounds good to me. Come with me, Vito. There's more we need to talk about. All right, we'll see you over there. Alright. So what's the big secret? Hey, 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 what the hell's going on? Where are they taking Joe? Sorry, kid. Joe wasn't part of our deal. Yeah, that's the ending of the game. Are you not, like, super emotional? I am. Jesus Christ. Leo, this mob boss you've been working with, didn't kill you in exchange for you going off and taking down Carlo, which Joe helped you do. And Joe didn't work with Carlo, didn't take you down, fulfilling all of his hopes and dreams because he was loyal to you, to Vito. But because Joe wasn't part of the deal, Leo just sends him off, and we can only imagine what happens to Joe after the car steers sharply to the right but i'm sure it wasn't a happy ending you see they screwed up basically they killed a federal informant and as a result somebody's head needed to roll and if it wasn't going to be Vito's, it was going to be joe's so they didn't tell Vito before the mission you don't have a choice you just go off kill carlo and then leo goes behind your back and kills off joe right as the story ends and you realize you've done all of this you've ended up with nothing but blood on your hands and memories of people that are now dead and some of the dirty work that you have to do includes tie-ins to the previous game and future tie-ins to the third game probably the most memorable mission for me in mafia 2 is when you and joe are sent to complete the task that ended the first game in the epilogue cutscene you remember when tommy was gunned downed by a couple of mobsters that showed up to his house in the 50s after he had gone into witness protection and everything well guess what that was Vito and joe they just do such a good job of tying all of these things together where it really feels like the games are interconnected but also can stand on their own like i think you can play mafia 2 independent from mafia 1 and independent from mafia 3 and you can do that for each of them but when you play them together you appreciate them so much more because all of these little things all these different names that get thrown around tie together and you realize it's just one big interwoven mess of a tapestry of power and corruption and greed and evil and murder and it's it's just so great (laughs) and the story of mafia 2 all together is haunting if i had to put one word to it it sticks with me not quite in the same way as like mafia definitive edition or mafia 1 or mafia 3 which is crazy and bizarre in its own right but also kind of tainted because the game was so buggy at launch but it stands alone similar in my mind as like The Last of Us Part 2 where every time I play it it's a little emotionally draining it's a little taxing because there's just so many things that happen there's so many relationships that are ruined and sad and terrible things that happen but that you see coming from a mile away there's just no better way I can say it other than it's haunting it sticks with you And drives you a little crazy but you know what we've been talking about mafia 3 and referencing it all throughout this video let's talk about it now in detail i want to talk about why mafia 3 is not just a total disaster from a technical standpoint but also why i find it to be such a heartbreaking game because it had so much potential the world design and the the ambiance and everything they did here is remarkable in a lot of ways, but then there's other things they did that were just bafflingly stupid. We're going to get into all of it, but first a thank you to our sponsor once again, Salad. If you were a little iffy when I talked about Salad earlier, I don't blame you. I was very skeptical when I heard about them myself, which is why I investigated it. And I was blown away at just how much stuff Salad has made available for us to investigate to make sure we're comfortable with their service. They've made all of their source code available for your perusal if you're capable of looking through it. And if you're not not techie like me, you can just check out their Trustpilot ratings, which are literally excellent by all means do your own research and i bet you'll find that salad is the real deal as you probably noticed earlier i actually use salad myself and i i carry a balance regularly because all the time i'm like working on stuff and i have to get up and then i go check on the baby and the missus upstairs and then i come back down and keep working and instead of just letting my stuff sit here useless and idling it actually can generate money for me and i actually was able to buy my copy of god of war on steam using credits that I exclusively got through salad I didn't pay a dime for that I only used my earnings through salad and I gotta say it added up way faster than I was personally expecting and now with their new bandwidth sharing feature I can actually earn with my high bandwidth that I pay for for editing video and uploading videos and stuff when I'm not uploading or editing videos I can actually benefit from what i'm not using it's it's tremendous again it's a great way to avoid letting that little bit of extra bandwidth and pc power go to waste again check them out at the link in the video description box below or in the pinned comment and make sure to put referral code luke in there when you sign up so that they know that i sent you like i said i love salad i use them every day almost and i can't recommend them enough they've been great not just to me and the channel but also to you guys who have signed up the hundreds upon hundreds of you who have started using salad after seeing me talk about them in other videos i can't recommend them enough and if you want to check them out again links in the description box below but okay let's talk about mafia 3 now the first thing i want to mention is the music it's just utterly tremendous and maybe it's a bad thing that the first thing i think of when i ponder mafia 3 and its long-term reputation and impact is the music but i just can't help but appreciate the amazing catalog of songs that they have on the radio as you're just blindly driving through the city as you explore aimlessly the tracks that play and narrate your experience it's just great again it's right up there with like new vegas radio in fallout new vegas or in fallout 4 or fallout 3 those games had tremendous soundtracks that Play as you explore the world. And in these games, they nail it as well. But Mafia 3, especially, it might just be that I really enjoy 60s music. That's probably part of it. But either way, I just, I love it. I will say, it looks like their contract for Elvis's music ran out when the game launched in 2016. They probably spent millions upon millions of dollars licensing Elvis's music for the radio in game. Now, you don't hear it. Or at least I didn't when I played through Mafia 3 on stream with you guys over on. Twitch on that purple platform, uh, live, we didn't hear any Elvis songs and I was listening very, very closely. Cause I love me some Elvis. So I'm guessing they lost the rights and they had to remove it. I've heard rumors that that was the case. There's some reports online that that happened. I totally believe it. I don't know why they would still have rights to it. They probably did like a three to five year agreement. It's expired since the game came out in 2016, so it makes sense. But just know that you're not gonna get the Elvis songs unless you patch the game or mod it. But even now there are some real bangers. And as I explored the city and one of these bangers would come up, I would just sit back, turn up the music and vibe. You know, the way that everybody should. That's a little shout out to uh, Tammy Slayton. Shout out. (laughs) If you don't hang out with us on Twitch, you won't have any idea what that means, so I will just leave it there. You should join us on Twitch, and then you'll know that inside joke. I'll, I'll move on. But with the fangirling out of the way with regards to the music, let's get down to brass tacks. In Mafia 3, the priorities from the previous two games have largely been swapped around. Gameplay has become the focus, and everything else was built around the loop that they designed for the racket and district systems. It's a mistake, because this gameplay loop isn't actually that interesting in the long term and they really, really milk this thing dry. Now, this is not to say that the narrative is downright poor. This game actually features one of the most gritty and difficult to endure stories of the last decade in AAA development as far as I'm concerned. This is mostly because it's centered around 1960s Louisiana with racial tensions at their peak, and the writers did not shy away from these topics either, which I think is actually a good thing for sake of telling these stories. It's important that these tales are told and that they are not sugar-coated but even so i do think it's important to note that the characters in this game do use very derogatory language that will be a system shock to most modern audiences i would hope all modern audiences but you never know who's out there these days i mean i grew up in the south i spent like half of my childhood in texas and so i heard a lot of these terms thrown around willy-nilly like it was no big deal but even so hearing some of the stuff that characters say i'm not gonna say it out loud here on a youtube video for obvious reasons but hearing some of this stuff said was like oh what oh jesus okay anyway like it, it, it was a bit of a slap in the face seriously whatever racial or sexist epithet you can think of or that you're pondering right now it's probably used in the game 50 to 300 times but this isn't to say it's like a celebration of those terms rather they're just showing these characters and presenting them in a legitimate and very real way in the way they would have appeared in the 1960s they don't pretend like it's a reinvention of the 60s from a 2022 pc perspective like no they they show you what louisiana was like in 1960s and and it's not all glitz and glamour. It doesn't matter whether it's the Haitians describing the Irish in unflattering ways or the other way around. Everyone in this game refers to each other with slurs and derogatory terms. It's just how the characters talk. Now, this difficult reality is also reflected in the world design itself. While exploring the map, you may enter restaurants or small businesses in predominantly white neighborhoods, and some of these buildings will even have signs that say whites only on the outside. Amazingly enough, if you enter some of buildings the store owner will actually stop what he's doing and will confront you and kick you out of the establishment because you play as lincoln who is as i'm sure you can tell on screen an african-american the first time this happened to me while i was playing the game i was a little shocked but i think it was in a good way as much as you could say it's in a good way when something like this happens in a video game. It was just so unexpected that characters in this world would reflect the themes of the story, that when I encountered a bigot while doing something as simple as entering a building, it reaffirmed all of the world building and the designs of these archetypes from the main story. And in my opinion, this is when games are really at their best as far as a narrative instrument when the main story and the themes are reflected in dynamic and organic encounters. Just like when you're playing Red Dead Redemption 2 and you encounter somebody who makes a comment about your hairstyle or how sick you look in the last half of the game, here to be recognized for the protagonist's race is jarring, but it furthers your immersion in the world in a really cool and interesting way, as difficult and as bizarre as it might be to hear to modern ears. And it does a really good job of justifying Lincoln's perspective on the world it makes sense why he doesn't really feel bad for a lot of these people that are getting screwed over by his criminal enterprise because they're not that great of people anyways so you know like them now this i should also mention was a centerpiece of discussion when the game launched the polygons of the world were outraged that a video game was launching at full price which also featured such bigoted characters and horribly offensive language. But this honestly just always confused me. The creators of Mafia 3 were trying to tell a story based on actual historical events, places, and people. These stories should be told and are important to be told. You know, it's bizarre to me. These people are the same that are upset about like whitewashing history, but then they also like don't want you to talk about or, or tell stories that are based on 1960s Louisiana and show what it was actually like and tell these stories in a legitimate and real way. They want to just pretend it never happened like Puritans. It's bizarre to me. The fact that it's so hard to hear and to listen to shows, I think in a lot of ways, how far we've come. That this is such a terrible way to talk to people and to treat people that it's difficult for us to engage with and it's it's repulsive in many ways it's a good thing that we have that impulse now because back in the 60s that was not the impulse at all and as an instrument for education i think video games can be fantastically powerful and potent and in this case Being able to tell a story of an African-American character in 1960s Louisiana that's powerful and getting things together and conquering the man. You know, I I would think that those people at Polygon and, and those other types of game journalist websites, they'd be all into this and they'd be super into it. But instead, they like freaked out that anybody dared to tell a story from this historical period. It's it's just weird to me. The whole thing is weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking into it too much. Maybe I'm the one with the weird perspective on it. Let me know what you think of this whole thing in the comment section below. I, I think it's like a no-brainer. Yeah, tell these stories. Show what it was actually like. You know, it would be like putting a game in... The civil war period and then you just never mention slavery <laughs> you just don't talk about it <laughs> what, no we don't no we don't talk about it just talk, like say that it was you know the the south is just upset with the north and north is just upset with the south and when people ask why are they upset with each other you just go eh, it's uh uh, you know, farming. And <laughs> you know, you just never talk on it. It's so stupid of me. But to get into the details of the story and the gameplay design itself a little bit more, let me explain where the game is set and how the stage has been arranged. You see, the game takes place in a city called New Bordeaux, which is effectively a fictionalized version of New Orleans. Funnily enough, I actually went to New Orleans in... 2021 in the summer so i actually visited a ton of these landmarks that are in the game in new bordeaux and saw them in person in real life so as we played through mafia 3 on stream i was actually like checking out the photos I had taken while we were there on vacation then I I would look at the landmark in the game and compare it to the picture I had taken just like a month or two before it was pretty cool again another reason you should join us on Twitch but I gotta hand it to them they did a great job of recreating a miniature and and more lean New Orleans It's pretty remarkable how well they've recreated some of these locations, it's pretty cool. In terms of overall map design, the city is composed of a bunch of different districts, as you would expect. Everything from high-rise offices to apartments, high-income housing, luxury houses and mansions, and then different districts for slums, lower-income suburban housing, industrial areas, rail yards, and then on the outskirts of town, you can even explore some plantations. Within the city, there are a bunch of different cultures that are vying for control, and influence there are of course the african americans the white wealthy individuals the irish italians and haitians there's also a group of white supremacists that march around in let's say hoods and cloaks sure you can fill in the blanks from there and once again i gotta hand it to the designers because they did a really good job of integrating all of these different cultures together in a way that feels legitimate but also natural what i mean by that is that as the districts begin overlapping you'll see haitian businesses next to white businesses next to irish businesses and pubs and you see how they they work together but then also fight and butt heads it's it's pretty interesting and they do this also with some some of the side content and quests that you'll go on where the Haitians are trying to dominate and gain control over the Irish and vice versa. And then the white plantation owners are screwing over the Haitians over here. So you got to go slap them down. It's it's pretty interesting and well done. Now throughout the game, we play as a Vietnam veteran named Lincoln Clay. And when we begin playing, we don't actually know much about him, but we do know that he is a Vietnam veteran who just got back. Now, I initially liked the decision to make Lincoln Clay a Vietnam veteran because it explained why he was so good at killing in vicious ways. I mean, some of the finishers for melee combat and for stealth that you do in this game are just unbelievably grotesque. It's, I mean, it's straight out of Vietnam. You got to give it to them. They did it, their research. I'm sorry for whoever had to research how these assassinations worked, but Jesus Christ, they're brutal. But the more I thought about it, the less and less I liked this decision to give Clay this backstory. And the reason is, is because of the breaking bad comparison i've been making for the last two game discussions hold on i'm going to talk about this but quick a wine break by the way shout out to juggernaut i don't i don't know if they watch my stuff but i freaking love your wine dudes it's great oh yeah oh that's the stuff right there let's go now like i've said for the last couple of game discussions The reason why I think Vito works so well, and especially Tommy works so well as a protagonist, is because they start so innocent and naive, but then as the game goes on, they become corrupted by greed and a desire for power and money and fame and fortune and sex and booze and drugs. And it really helps the crescendo of the story as tension builds and builds and builds, and then it eventually crumbles underneath its own weight. With Lincoln Clay, there's just not much there in terms of a crescendo. He just comes back from Vietnam, and then they do a couple of little story beats where they have him meet up with some people, do some jobs, make some money, and then there's an event that happens in the first probably six hours or so of the game that causes you to lose everything, and then you're motivated for the rest of the game purely by wanton revenge and nothing else it's just i want to run this city because i hate everybody who currently runs it and that's about it there's not this desire for interpersonal relationships or for love and affection or for wealth to be able to supply and provide for his family like his siblings and things there's nothing like that it's just lincoln clay smash because i hate everybody and it gets tiring after a little while. You know, maybe you could have gotten away with it back in like 2011, 2012 as a sequel where that's your protagonist's main motivation is just revenge and hatred and anger. But in 2016, that was right around the time when audiences were starting to look for other things in the same way that players were starting to get sick and tired of God of War as a franchise, specifically because Kratos was purely motivated by anger and hatred and revenge and a desire to just overthrow the gods. I know there are some other little things going on with Athena and everything, but still, that's generally the vibe players got. Kratos angry, Kratos smash. And with Lincoln Clay, it's the same basic thing, which is why it's so exhausting by the end of the game. He's just very one note, you know. <laughs> I just almost inhaled the wine. I tried to keep it together. You probably saw me kind of choke on it a little bit. I... <laughs> Almost went bad. Now, over the first 10 hours or so of gameplay, you'll be working to establish your crew, which is comprised of the Haitians, the Irish... And then the Italians. The Haitians are run by a woman named Cassandra, who is trying to overtake the Dixie Mafia, who currently control Delray Hollow. The Irish are run by an individual named Thomas Burke, whose original area of influence was given away by Marcano, the current gang boss of the entire city, to one of Thomas Burke's rivals, giving him impetus to work with you and to help overthrow the status quo. Because, after all, he wants his control of his territory back. And then the Italians, who are controlled by none other than Vito Scaletta. Didn't choke that time. <laughs> Barely. I gotta hand it to him. The first time I played this game with no spoilers and I ran into Vito. I was genuinely surprised. I was like, holy shit, that's Vito Skelet. That's the guy from the second game. How cool is that? Again, these games just interweave the stories. It all ties together. And as you talk with Vito, you find out little tidbits from the second game to fill in some of the gaps. It's just freaking cool. Again, you can play each of these individually, but playing them together is just, ah, oh, it's great. Now, after you have your team, you have a series of districts all throughout the map that you get to overthrow by completing various missions. And you overthrow these districts by using the help of your crew namely the three different abilities you've garnered from each of them. The Haitians provide munitions and weapons dynamically that can be called in before raids and missions and dynamic combat encounters. This works really simply. You're just exploring the world. You find a place you want to jump on or a side mission you want to do or a quest that you need to do and a hideout that you need to clear. You don't have ammo, so you call in this truck from the little wheel menu. They come, let you buy ammo, and then they drive away. Super simple. The Irish can also deliver a select car to you in real time. And later they can even temporarily pay off the police to leave you alone for anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes, helping you to escape quickly. Though it is important to note that it can't be used freely and does have a cost associated with it. So you can't just spam it. And Vito offers you hitmen as thugs that can help out during difficult combat encounters to come and help. Once again, there's a cost to this. You can't just use it whenever you want or spam it relentlessly. And there's a couple of other smaller abilities But these are the main ones. And it actually works really, really well in terms of creating this dynamic gameplay that helps you through missions. Though I will say eventually you'll get into a stride where you just call in the same exact things in the same order every single time. Like you show up to the combat arena, you call in the Haitian supply truck, they let you fill up on ammo or select different weapons. And then you have Thomas Burke bring you the getaway vehicle that you want. That's preferably a really fast car that you've collected and stolen from elsewhere and saved in a private garage. And then you start the combat encounter using Vito's. Hitman, and then after the combat encounter when you're still wanted by the police or by the gang you call up thomas burke's associates once again have them call off the police for 30 seconds to two minutes depending and then you jump in the car that you called in earlier and race away quickly outside of the realm of influence so that the wanted level disappears and then you do that like 200 times for like 30 hours over and over And over again, you'll also run around the map collecting electronic parts that are used to hack into phone systems Doing so will tell you where various rackets and targets are that can be eliminated to deal damage to the district Do enough damage as quantified by a monetary value and you will see new opportunities appear And then you repeat this process time and time again in each and every single district until you've Destabilized the racket system enough such that you can take it over and assign it to one of the three gang leaders So to be clear the way that this breaks down is that there are individual criminal businesses run by district bosses underlings gambling prostitution marijuana distribution moonshine distribution gun distribution etc these rackets are assigned to one of your three partners after you clear them you can choose between the Haitians Vito or Thomas Burke and then each of these assignments can reward you with different things whether it be increased revenue new weapons and improvements to their offered services remember when I said that you could call the cops off for like 30 seconds to two minutes. Well, how you level that up is by assigning more and more of these districts to Thomas Burke. Almost every time you do it, it'll level up the amount of time that you can call the cops off because they have more control and influence. That's at least how I explained it away in my mind and to be clear this isn't like the worst design system This is like kind of cool for an open world thing as far as game systems are designed It's not bad, you know, you run around you find the electronic parts You hack into the phones figure out where stuff is you take it down then you put your people in place It's kind of cool, but you know, what? it's kind of like the Batmobile in Batman Arkham Knight. Like it's cool it's fun for a little bit and then It starts to get old after a little while, which wouldn't be a problem if the game designers were like, okay, we're just going to do this a little bit. It's pretty cool, but then we'll take the foot off the gas and we'll let you do other stuff. Then we'll put a little bit more in, then we'll take it away just so it doesn't get old. That variety really, really helps. They don't do that in Mafia 3 they have about 10 hours of pretty lean narrative gameplay. The first 10 hours are really solid and I think most people will really enjoy them. And then there's another like 20 to 25 hours of grinding out these rackets in the same exact way in a bunch of different districts over and over and over again until you get to the very end of the game when there's another three to five hours of narrative stuff that's relatively interesting i mean there's even different endings depending on how you choose to go about the ending of the game because effectively the entire game was based around overthrowing Marcano, the big evil bad guy dictator that ran new orleans basically and then once he's dead you're left with deciding what happens. As Lincoln, you can stay behind, become the new Marcano, and run it with your three gang leaders. You can kill off your gang leaders, in which case you end up assassinated, or you can just leave and let everything sort of sort itself out but either way there's like different endings you can choose and at the very end of the game there's also an investigation by the fbi which explains why all of these interviews and depositions were played all throughout the game in cutscene format so that you could hear stories told in this narrative style it's pretty interesting how they did it and there's multiple levels of complexity here it ties in to the assassination of jfk and then the mob boss and corrupt senators. It's really interesting what they do here. But unfortunately, most people will never get there because the mid game is so mind numbingly boring because they just do the same thing over and over and over again. Again, going back to Batman Arkham Knight, cool system at the outset. If they left it there, it would have been great. But instead, they have this kind of cool thing that gets boring quickly. And then they just make you do just that for hours and hours and hours on end. And they don't give you a choice. And it it just leaves you feeling like, you know what, I'm good. I'm good. I, I played half the game and I feel like I'm done. You know, it's such a bummer because you never get to see the end of the story, which is the one reason most people normally play the Mafia games. It's a weird flip on what used to keep players going. Now, earlier I mentioned that they sort of flipped the priorities with this game. They used to focus predominantly on the story and then the gameplay kind of came second, but this time around they did the opposite. They focused on the gameplay and then the story. The reason that was such a dramatic mistake on the part of the developers is because the gameplay system wasn't ready for 30 plus hours of gameplay. It it just wasn't. Like if they had kept this at 15, 20 hours maybe, I think it would have worked just fine and most people wouldn't have had a major issue but because they have 10 hours of solid story, maybe seven if you rush. And then there's basically no story for like 20 hours. People just feel like the game changes like that. Like on a dime, it's just different. And it goes from being a gritty, dark mafia corruption story to being just a stupid open world game and nothing else. And then they get back to the story at the very, very end. But by that point, most people have just given up and moved on. And I think what it was is the developers realized that they had a sort of interesting district system on their hands. And so they said, oh, this is pretty fun. So let's let's give the player a lot of this to to mess around with, like 20 hours worth. And we'll just like focus on that. We'll just do that. And then they realized, oh, well, there's not much we can do narratively speaking during that time. Eh, it'll probably be okay. It's probably pretty fun. We'll we'll just leave people to it. You know, it, it just didn't work. It's too much of a good thing. Again, too much of anything is a bad thing. Even if it's great, it's a bad thing. Too much wine is, oh, I was gonna say too much wine is a bad thing, but that's not true. I stand corrected. Speaking of these glasses are like super cool. You see how it like just kind of rolls. Isn't that cool. Isn't that fun. It's kind of stupid, but like, it's fun. <laughs> so, it's really just a bummer to me because I think they had a few really good things going with Mafia 3 and they just didn't nail it. I mean, the one mission where the guy ends up hung on the Ferris wheel, like just look at this. This is crazy. I mean, that's so crazy and it's an interesting set piece. It's oddly artistic and well-framed. It's very cinematic. It's just well done but unfortunately like that's just for the first seven to ten hours and then there's nothing for the middle two-thirds of the game and then that's it like you're just you're just screwed and then you get to the end of the game and it's relatively good and and then that's it. it the game's over so i think that that certainly didn't help with the game's reception when it launched but the other thing that really didn't help it was that this game launched totally broken in 2016. like I'm sure you've seen the Crowby Cat video where he did the montage of all the broken bugs and everything. It's true. The game was totally busted. I tried playing the game like every three to six months, literally for years, Four years because I loved Mafia One and Mafia Two so much, I was like, I just want to play Mafia Three. I'd like, I'm sure it can't be that bad. But I would try to launch it on PlayStation, on Xbox, on PC, and every single time I tried to launch it, I would reach the point in the prologue, like the tutorial section, where you're taking the bags of money and you're throwing them in the back of the truck, and then the game would freeze, and I couldn't progress any further every single time like months and months apart on all different consoles i don't know if i'm cursed or if the game was still just super broken i don't know but what i do know is that one day i launched it on pc and it worked and that's when i said okay screw it we're gonna play it on stream and we did and we actually had a decent time a a conflicted time like part of it was great part of it was bad but we finally got to play it but even years after it launched there were still major issues with the game such that you couldn't play it even if you wanted to. But I mean, to bring all of this home, I think the tale for Mafia 3 is one of just conflicted priorities, They didn't really know what they wanted this game to be and so they ended up just doing nothing really well. The bugs and the glitches are inexcusable and unacceptable in every way, shape and form and there's no excusing that whatsoever, let me be very clear. But in terms of the game that we actually have when you get through the bugs and can actually play it, the game we've got is pretty interesting and it's really disappointing that they weren't able to pull this off better because the setting had so much potential the work they did on world building and the dynamic gameplay and then the district system was really good. It just didn't come together cohesively. I mean, it's it's one of these cases where you can have a really interesting premise for a game, but getting the pieces to fit together well is a whole other challenge. And it's way more difficult than I think us gamers and and consumers would probably appreciate i mean it's it's way more difficult to get systems working well together it's why what rockstar does every release is so remarkable when they get these different things just vibing and working together and of course it's why games like mafia 3 can have a few great elements but if they don't stitch together well the game is considered awful and bad no and, oh, you shouldn't play you shouldn't play it and it's it's just a bummer because a lot of players will never get to see the good elements just because the bad elements overshadow it but the good news is that mafia 3's difficulties did not actually squander the franchise and cause it to just go completely belly up it looks like the franchise is back on track at least hopefully They've announced that they've started development on Mafia 4. And after the overwhelming success of Mafia Definitive Edition, I think they have a new mandate to focus on what made Mafia 1 so successful and avoid the mistakes of Mafia 3. That is to say, focus on the story, focus on the gritty narrative and the cutscene quality and all of that stuff, and then focus on the weird open world dynamic Ubisoft crap afterwards maybe not even at all let the story run the show because that's what these games have done really really well don't try to do too much of course i would love it if it was like grand theft auto level gameplay integration with a story from a mafia game like gta 5 or gta 6 with like mafia story that would be amazing who wouldn't want that but the truth of the matter is is that that's probably just not going to happen it's unrealistic to expect or demand that so instead of demanding that i'm going to just say that i hope we get a game that is grounded and gritty and serious rumors have come out saying that they might be setting the new mafia game in uh italy actually some rumors were saying they were going to go back to chicago or la Who knows where they end up setting it, maybe they don't even know because the game is in very, very early production, but what I do know is that I'm very excited because whatever Mafia 4 ends up being, if they focus on what made Mafia Definitive Edition so successful, Mafia 4 is going to be remarkable, it will be truly incredible. I just hope they do that and they don't get pushed into doing the same stupid stuff they did with Mafia 3. But the big question, should you play these games now in 2022 or 23 or 24, whenever you're watching this video? I I would say absolutely. I mean, especially if you can get the Definitive Edition, especially if you can get Mafia 2 for a decent price and Mafia 3 on sale. These games are not 10 out of 10s, like I said at the opening, but they're really good. They're like a solid 8 out of 10 or 7 out of 10, depending on which one you're looking at. And that, I think, is worth your time, especially if you get it on sale. And especially if these stories are captivating to you. Mafia Definitive Edition reignited my interest in the Mafia stories of the 1930s and 40s. It sparked a new fascination with Al Capone and those guys from Prohibition. It started all of this interest for me once again because the story was so well told. And if you even find it slightly interesting, I think it'll do the same for you. I would recommend you try it, especially because these games are not at full price. And in the age of games releasing from PlayStation for $70, just even remasters launching for 70 bucks, which I know it's a remake, but it's remaster. Come on. Maybe it's time to go and try some oldies, some goodies, stuff that is aged like a fine wine but i should call it there before i drink this entire bottle of wine thank you for chilling with me thanks for hanging out while i make this video i love you all very very much come join me over on twitch like i said i'm live every monday wednesday friday whenever i'm posting these videos so come say hi after you watch this i would love to see you and if you have any wishes for what the next game i cover should be let me know in the comment section or even better so i know that i will see it go and tell me in the uh, live chat over on Twitch, then I will actually see it in person for sure. It's the easiest way to get a hold of me. (laughs) I look forward to seeing you guys over there. Make sure to like the video if you enjoyed it, share it with a friend if you think they would appreciate it, and subscribe and ring the bell to get notified of new uploads the moment they go live. But with that, I'm going to bed. Thanks for watching, I love you all. I'll see you in the next one. Hugs and kisses, bye-bye.